Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. You see, men and women each play a unique part in the family and in the kingdom of God. Their roles may look different, but each is equally important. And I'm going to wait uh, until the end to reveal my title, but I do want to stress at the very beginning the role of women in the family and in the church. In Genesis chapters 1 through 3, we see how the Creator carefully and powerfully formed the world we lived in. And in turn, he, he turned to the dust of the earth and he constructed Adam and from him pulled a rib and shaped Eve. And the Bible tells us that God made male and female in his image and gave them dominion. You see, they were to subdue and rule together. God gave the first leadership position to men and women and they were to serve in that capacity together. You see, Eve was not created as a different species or a different subset of humanity, but was made for Adam to help him balance and further the kingdom and the human race. You see, God saw it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, and he created woman, a unique part of humanity, and the only way in which humanity would then go on to be formed. You see, women are not less important than men. They are not more important than men or to society, but they are important And women are important to God. And God uses women to do his will. It was through a woman that he was carried, he was born, and he was raised. It was through multiple women that he performed miracles. And it was through a woman that his resurrection was first proclaimed. You see, during his time on earth, Jesus subverted the social norms dictating how a rabbi would speak to women or to the rich or to the poor or to the diseased or the powerful or the disabled. He changed the way people began to talk to the destitute or the prostitute or the demon-possessed. He spoke to women directly, and women were never excluded from his work on earth. And women should never be excluded from his work even today. You see, women are present in Scripture. They're sometimes unnamed. They're sometimes in the background. Sometimes they're the receiver. Sometimes they're the giver. And we learn a lot from women in scripture. You see, we learn how to be faithful like Ruth. We learn how to be courageous like Esther. We learn how to be trustworthy like Mary. We learn how to be prayerful like Hannah, capable like Deborah, humble like Abigail, because women have unique abilities and they're vital to ministry. Women are capable, they can plan, they can organize, preach, clean, decorate, teach, and all the while be aware and sensitive to the needs and the emotions and the thoughts of others. You see, women have high levels of emotional intelligence on average. I'm not saying that men do not have this, they are absolutely capable. But on average, women have more of a natural proclivity to recognize emotions in themselves But not only that, they recognize emotions in other people, and then they know how to relate the two together. 
This makes them great at nurturing. This makes them great at connecting and understanding people. They can easily handle crisis situations and they're natural multitaskers. They're able to respond quickly and decisively to multiple situations at once. Have you ever seen a group of women talking to each other and they will talk and listen at the same time? And sometimes they sound like chickens and they're like, and they're all talking at once. Women are are natural multitaskers. (laughs) Women can get things done. You see, I know growing up, not everyone had a childhood like me, but, um, and I'm mindful of that, but I knew that I could trust mom to get it done. And when I was sick, and they would let me stay home from school, sometimes they would, (laughs) I wanted mom, and I would beg her, please, (laughs) don't make me stay home with dad. (laughs) Not that my dad wasn't kind, he was. And my dad is a doctor. He could have taken care of me. He could have told me everything that was wrong in my body and how to fix it. And he would. And he would tell me, you just need to take a nap. But I wanted mom. And I wanted mom to come. And I wanted mom to bring me my pillow and my blanket and the little bendy straw so I didn't have to, you know, lean too far forward. to get. I wanted mom's nurturing nature. I wanted mom to understand that I wasn't just sick, but I needed someone to comfort me. I needed someone to understand my emotions. And so women have this natural ability, but we live in a confusing time for women. Our society screams that women ought to be proud of their femininity, but they also say that that women ought to love themselves and in the same breath tell them that they don't have enough to be loved. Women are constantly sold ideas and products that are marketed to them, telling them that they need to dress or act a certain way in order to be successful, in order to be worthy, in order to be loved, in order to be taken seriously. But Proverbs 31 tells us what a virtuous woman is. It's not a woman who's consumed with gaining the attention and affirmation of others. It's a woman who's savvy. She's buying and she's selling and she's hardworking and she's strong. A virtuous woman is wise and generous, selfless and humble and full of integrity. You see, the most beautiful thing that you could put on is not a new dress, but you could be clothed with strength and honor. The most beautiful thing you could wear is a kind and a godly spirit. You see, David writes a beautiful psalm, and in chapter 139, verse 14, he says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, when I look at myself, when I look at how you've made me, it causes me to praise you. When I look at how you've created humanity, how you've created men, women, when I look at your creation, and yet insecurity has plagued women for far too long. It's what causes multi-million dollar companies to sell cosmetic surgeons and surgeries to increase. Women, regardless of what people have told you, what rejection you've faced, or what even what you've told yourself, you are a gift. You are a gift. You are a gift to your family. You are a gift to this church. You are a gift to society. You are special. And celebrating other women doesn't make you less special. You are unique, and you are special, because there's nothing like a woman's understanding. There's nothing like a mother's love. So when I was growing up, my best friend lived next door, and her name was Claire, and uh, (laughs) 
I would go over to her house and I would knock on the door and we would jump on our bikes or our Razor scooters and we would take off through the neighborhood and there was a very large hill just down the block. And the hill was just a dead end. You just would ride down this very steep hill, it would be a dead end, and then you would have to huff and puff your way back up the really steep hill and go over again. And we would do this over and over and over and over again. And I remember one time Claire was on her bike and I was on my scooter and we are flying down the hill and I don't know what happened, she was behind me, but all of a sudden I hear a commotion and I hear a scream and I turn around and Claire has bailed off her bike and she has hit the ground and, and her legs are all bloody and she is screaming and crying and I am huffing and puffing back up the hill and I'm like, Claire, what happened? But before I knew it, her mother came running down the hill and she said, I was in the kitchen, I had the window open, and I heard your scream, and I knew it was my baby. And she came running down there, and she knew in an instant, she knew in a moment, that that was her daughter's cry, that something was wrong. You see, mothers have a radar. Mothers have this intuitive nature that they know when they hear a cry of their baby, they know what they need. And they can pick out the cry of their children in a crowd. You see, she had a radar. She knew what to do. Even while she was working, she had an instinctual knowledge to listen because her child was out of her sight. And we live in a time where mothers need a radar. Mothers need a radar. Mothers need to be aware you see, um, sometimes mothers, they know that you did something before you tell them that you did it. Trust me, they do. <laughs> there have been times where I've gone to my mom, and I go, Mom, I've got to confess this to you. And she says, I know. How did you know that? They know. They often know what you're doing before you even tell them. But if there was ever a time that mothers need to be more aware it's now. We live in a time that's full of traps. It's full of deception. And there's growing need for discernment for our sons and for our daughters. And I know in a crowd this size, this may be a sensitive topic for some. And I want you to know those who are not yet mothers, we still need you and we still value you as a church. I am not a mother and I cannot speak from experience, but I am a daughter. And for those who are mothers, there's never been a time that we also need mothers who are planted. We need mothers who are planted, who know the truth and are leading her children. You see, on this journey, we're going to face opposition. And it behooves us to have the kind of radar that we will know what to do when something attacks something we love. In Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. The Bible says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. There are two things that they write about, the, the instruction and the law. You see, the instruction is the process by which the law can be implemented. If you'd humor me, it is the highway that the car could drive on. You have to have both. And that is the structure of the family, the structure within the family. 
that you have instruction, but you also have law. You see, the mother can hang the law on the infrastructure that the father built in the house. And every leading psychologist will tell you that the formation of a personality is equal part biology and equal part environment. So it's not just nature, but it's also nurture. So you're not just giving them blue eyes and you're not just giving them brown hair. You're giving them habits and you're giving them thought patterns. You're giving them behaviors. And the primary impactful presence in a child's life is their parent. And I'm thankful for a mother. I'm thankful for a mother who taught the law. I'm thankful for a mother who always made things into a learning opportunity. She, she was always pulling my brother and I closer to saying, okay, well, we're going to learn this. She showed me how to open a bank account. She showed me how to sew on a button. She, she taught me how to function as an adult. Even now, how many of you would admit you still call your mother and say, hey, mom, I have a question for you. Hey, mom, I don't know how to do my taxes. <laughs> she also taught me how to love going to church, how to love to worship freely. She taught me how to forgive even the deepest hurts. She taught me to lean on the Lord and to allow his joy to be my strength. That's what my mom taught me. She taught me the law, and above all that you could teach your children, teach them the law, teach them the word, teach them how to walk in righteousness, teach them how to be godly, teach them how to be holy, teach your children the law. You see, reading through scriptures, we see wicked and we see wise women. And I want to highlight just two in the next few minutes. In Exodus chapter 2, we find a woman named Jochebed, Moses' mother. And at the time when the king was killing babies, Jochebed had a baby. You see, the king thought, in order to keep the Israelite people in bondage, then I will kill the children. When children come up in a godly home, they reproduce godly behavior, and the nation experiences the blessings of a people who know how to walk with God. And that's why we need strong families. That's why we need strong mothers. That's why we need strong fathers. So Jochebed has a baby, and she thinks strategically. In a time which her baby's life was being threatened, she decides to build an ark, to build a vessel for her child, to put him in the water, which I always thought was a strange way to deal with the solution. But she thought about it. She said, I'm going to build an ark, but she decided to waterproof it. She waterproofed the ark so that her child could float. You see, she wasn't giving up. She was protecting and she was believing for a solution. This wasn't an end. This was just a temporary step. This was just the next step. 
She wasn't giving up her child to death. She waterproofed the ark so that he would survive when other children may have sank. You see, we need mothers who know how to think strategically and will do what it takes to waterproof their home and to protect their children. We need strong mothers who will get up before the day is busy and full of responsibilities and before the chaos ensues and will waterproof your home and will waterproof your mind. We need mothers who will call on the name of the Lord and will spend time with him and learn how to protect and how to teach their children. We need mothers who will touch the throne of God and will intercede for their children and spend time with God so that he can give you joy, so that he could give you wisdom to guide you, that he could give you peace to keep you. You see, the second thing that Jochebed did was that she released her child. And the amount of strength that I'm sure that it took to place your child in the water and then to walk away leaving your daughter to stand guard, but you yourself have to walk away and take your eyes off of the one thing that you care so much about. You see, at some point, mothers, you do have to release your child. Release them into the ministry. Release them into the kingdom of God. Release them so that they can be who God wants them to be. But you can trust God to take care of what you care most about. God will take care of you while you take care of what he gave you. The second mother that I'd like to highlight is found in 2 Samuel, chapter 21. Her name is Rizpah. She was a concubine of Saul. And she had sons. And when Saul broke a covenant with the Gibeonites, David began to pray. There was conflict between the Israelites and the Gibeonites. David began to pray, and the Lord showed him. So he went to the Gibeonites, and he told them, you know, Saul's broken this covenant with you, and they demanded one thing. They said, we want Saul's sons. We want them to be hanged. So they hung them in the town. You see, Rizpah did not do anything wrong. Her sons did not do anything wrong, but they hanged them because of Saul's sins. But the most intriguing part of the story is what Rizpah does next. Rizpah goes to work when everyone else thought it was over. After death had come and when everyone walks away, Rizpah knew one thing, that her sons were still royalty and they still deserved to be treated like royalty. And even after it looked like it was over, she didn't give up. And I'm thankful that there are moms in this room. There are thankful for there are moms in this church who never give up, even when everyone else does. You see, Rizba went down to the town square and she stood there and she beat away the animals by night and she beat off the birds by day because Rizba knew one thing, that she wasn't going to let her sons hang in that town square. She said, it is not over. I know what my sons deserve. She refused for them to be treated like criminals. And there are mothers in this room that perhaps your children have begun to walk away, but don't give up. Even when everyone else does and even when everyone else says it's dead and it's over, you can be a mother like Rizba and you don't give up and you stand firm and you stand strong. You see, the future of the church is directly related to our ability to raise our sons and daughters in the presence of the Lord. The reason Satan will not destroy our generation is because there are mothers in this house who believe the seed of the word and planting the seed of the word into your children will keep them for the rest of their lives. You see, you are mightier than you know. There is might in the maternal. 
And when God wanted to describe his own nurturing nature, his own protectiveness, he described himself as a mother hen gathering her chicks. You see, you are not meant to be weak or passive. You are not meant to just be dismissive, but you are meant to be diligent in prayer. You are meant to be strong and you are meant to be mighty. There comes a time where perhaps you don't feel like you are. Maybe you feel like you are weak or you feel like you are overwhelmed. But it's time for mothers to find their way back to the throne. It's time for mothers to find their way back into the presence of God and say, Okay, Lord, I need your strength. I need your peace. I need your joy because I want to raise my children and I want to raise my family and I want to minister to others in a way that only, only I can and only in the way that you want me to. Even in this church, even relationally, those of you who are older, you can look to the younger and you can teach them the way the Bible instructs us to. That there could be intergenerational teaching, that, that the mothers could teach the younger. We are made to be united, we are made to be special, and we are made to be a part of the church. If you would, would you just raise your hands across this room? Every woman, every mother, every daughter. Would you lift your voices with me? Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this church, how you're building us, teaching us, and raising us. Oh, God, thank you, Lord, for how you're moving. I pray, oh, God, that your will would be done, that you would build strong families for a strong church.